Hear the word of God from Psalms chapter 119, verses 9 through 16. This reading comes from the Common English Bible. You will find this reading on page 493 in the Pew Bible. How can young people keep their paths pure? By guarding them according to what you've said. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from any of your commandments. I keep your word close in my heart so that I won't sin against you. You, Lord, are to be blessed. Teach me your statutes. I will declare out loud all the rules you have spoken. I rejoice in the content of your laws, as if I were rejoicing over great wealth. I will think about your precepts and examine all your paths. I will delight in your statutes, and I will not forget what you have said. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon will be offered in reverse. A few years ago, my older daughter, Grace, observed to me that my sermons always seem to follow the same exact general outline. Is that right, dear? I said to her, rather curious. Yeah, she said. Dad, you always start with something funny. And then you talk about the Bible. And then, in her words, you connect the Bible to some stuff. And then you tell us what to do, then you say a prayer, and then you ask for the money. Huh. So, today I'm going to do the sermon in reverse, now that I've gotten the funny part out of the way. So next I want to go to a closing sermon illustration. In 1990, I was a freshman in college. I had uh, been raised in a solid Christian family, nurtured in a wonderful youth group in my Methodist church. But before I tell you that story, I want to skip right to the end and give you the pitch, the telling you what to do part, the practical pitch of the sermon. And given the topic of the day, which, as you know, is the Bible and being biblically rooted, I'm sure you all know what the pitch is going to be, which is you need to read the Bible more. You need to read it every day. You need to be in a small group where you can read it together, which if you're looking for a new small group, you can simply go to our website slash groups and make it a part of your daily and weekly life. Okay, so now that I've gotten to the pitch part, let me go back to my closing illustration. In 1990, I was a freshman in college. I had been raised by a Christian family, grown up in a Methodist church, and developed what I will say now is a rather fundamentalist view of the Christian faith, including of the Bible. Having gone to a fairly fundamentalist private school from elementary all the way through high school. And so my view of the Bible, all throughout my younger years, 
was quite fundamentalist, which means a literal seven-day creation and a literal end of the Bible found in a tribulation, a literal mark of the beast, a literal apocalypse. And all the way in between, a literal fish that swallowed Jonah, a literal ark that saved all of the animals, all of the historical narratives describing historically verifiable events. And given the strength of my Christian upbringing, I would say to you that my knowledge of the Bible was really quite comprehensive. But as I soon discovered, it is one thing to read the Bible, it is quite another thing to be rooted in the Bible. And I wouldn't discover that until I graduated from high school. And I started attending a four-year liberal arts college that was related to a mainline Protestant Christian denomination. But what I soon discovered was a view of the Bible in this college setting that was really quite different from my fundamentalist roots. A few weeks into my first semester of college, I had yet to find, in my estimation, another strong Christian on the entire campus. I had yet to find a strong enough campus church fellowship. Despite all of my efforts at looking, I felt all alone. My science professors, much to my surprise, were not teaching creationism. The religion professors were having me read books that were encouraging me to take a critical view of the religious experience of my life. In many ways, in many, many ways, I felt all alone. Now, as difficult an experience as this was for me, I can say to you, in retrospect, it is exactly the kind of religious experience that I needed to have. Not only to deconstruct my old ways of thinking and open me to an, a, a richer and deeper and broader expression of my Christian convictions, but it helped show me what it meant to be biblically rooted. Not just biblically literate, not just biblically knowledgeable, but biblically rooted. To have my entire life rooted in the words of the Scripture. One night, in my dorm room, in a rather low place of loneliness, I opened up my Bible, and as I began to pray, there was a question that drifted into my mind, which I can say now had to have come from the Holy Spirit, which I can say now could only come having been through this trauma of the first few months of college. And the question was this, McGray, what is the biblical character that you identify with most right now? In other words, whose story in the Bible is becoming your story right now? That was the first question that launched me on a journey of biblical rootedness like I had never experienced before. 
That kind of earnest listening and prayerful scripture reading eventually led me to the story, the story that you all know, the story of Joseph in the back half of the book of Genesis. A story of a young man who perhaps was not a whole lot younger than myself at the time, who was brutally whisked away to a foreign land surrounded by a culture that did not agree with him, surrounded by people who knew nothing of his Christian convictions. Joseph's experience in Egypt was open to me in a whole new way as it became the guiding narrative of my first few months in college. My struggles became interpreted in the light of his struggles. Those things in college that were tempting me and vying for my attention and trying to lure me away from my Christian convictions, those became the same temptations that Joseph had with Potiphar's wife. Those feelings of loneliness that I was having in the midst of that campus became identified with the loneliness of Joseph, who was unjustly, unfairly imprisoned in a lonely jail cell. And then I started to find new life in myself as I read through his story. His triumphs became my triumphs. His guiding witness became the lights in my path. As I started to read the story, I became rooted in Joseph's story. Then I improved the way I saw my situation. Not as challenges, but as opportunities. Joseph had compassion for his fellow inmates. He even helped them interpret their dreams. He ultimately saved their lives. And so in that way, the Bible showed me how to have compassion for my fellow college students. Compassion, not judgmentalism. Open-mindedness, not narrow-mindedness. Regardless of their faith convictions, regardless of whether or not they were believers or not, Joseph showed me how to have compassion and help them experience new life. Joseph's rise to preeminence in all of Egypt challenged me to stay in this college. Despite all these temptations for me to leave and run away and find a new college campus that was more liking to my faith convictions, Joseph's staying in Egypt showed me that I should stay too because there was still something useful that God was calling me to do there. Joseph's ultimate forgiveness of his brothers at the end of his story reminded me that even though I go through the toughest situations in my life, even situations that seem unfair and unjust or difficult, there is still the possibility that God might redeem those situations and use them for some good. By the time I graduated from college, I had become Joseph in many ways. God had indeed used me to bring in new Christians into the fold, to start a whole new campus ministry, even to lead others to Christ. And when I graduated, more importantly, when I graduated, I had learned to reinterpret my fundamentalist upbringing to let go of the baggage that was holding me back, but to still hold on to the glorious treasures of my childhood, a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ, a steadfast relationship with the Bible, a 
holistic biblical literacy that would guide me all through these days, even now, while still becoming open to a diversity of ideas and a diversity of people, open-minded, even when it came to scientific inquiry, which is who I am today. Now, this is the part according to biblical scholar Grace DeVega that I connect the Bible to some stuff. Which is to say that this sermon is not about me. This sermon is about the power of God's Word to connect to our daily lives. When we find an entry point into the biblical narrative so that our story can become illuminated by the stories of the Bible. Sometimes it simply means asking yourself the question, with what biblical character do I identify with right now? Whose story in the Bible illuminates my story in my own life? Sometimes it means asking the question, how is the Bible challenging me to open up new ways of thinking and relating to people that I otherwise would not want to relate with? And all the time, it means asking the question, how is the Bible pushing me to where I do not want to go or even keeping me from those places that I would want to turn? In what way is the Bible pointing me to a deeper and fuller relationship with Jesus Christ? Asking those questions of the power of the Bible is what begins to sink our roots deeper and deeper into the Bible. It's not simply a matter of reading the Bible. It's not simply a matter of understanding the words of the Bible. It is a matter of rooting our lives in the Bible. Well, since this is a sermon in reverse, it's, it's now time, I suppose, for me to talk about the Scripture reading for the day. When a psalmist was writing about the sacred words of Scripture, there is something in both the tone and content of what he is writing that makes you believe that these weren't just words that he was reading when he opened up God's law. These were words that he was consuming. These were words that he wasn't just reading. He wanted to dig deeply into them, develop a passion for them, and be transformed by them. In other words, Psalm 119 is all about the experience of one individual becoming biblically rooted. Because when he got to talking about the Scriptures, he couldn't talk. He couldn't stop talking. Psalm 119 from which Kathy just read eight verses, is actually the longest chapter in the Bible. It clocks in at a whopping 176 verses. It feels like it would take almost a lifetime to read just that one chapter. You should be glad that we didn't ask our lay reader to read 176 verses. Because the point of it is this. It should take a whole lifetime to root ourselves in the Bible. There is a difference between just reading the Bible and being rooted in it. Some people just focus on reading it, but they never become rooted in it. But you can't be rooted in it unless you read it. And so I want to end with my opening illustration. It's about a longtime member of a church 
that I used to serve earlier in my ministry prior to coming here last summer. This individual was born in the church. He was, he was raised in the church, confirmed in the church. He was married in the church. He raised his children in the church. But he was never part of a Bible study in that church. Never part of a small group. He owned a Bible, probably the same Bible he got when he was in third grade, but that Bible was never much of an influence on him. One year, we decided to start a men's group, a new Bible study on Friday mornings. And so we invited him. And on that very first meeting of that men's group, a group of just about six of us sitting at the conference table in our office, we began by sharing a little bit about ourselves. And then someone opened in prayer, and then someone read the scripture passage for that lesson. And it was at that point that my friend, this, this church member, this person who was new to Bible studies, in a singular moment of candor and transparency, said these words. He said, fellas, am I the only one who feels this way? That the Bible is really hard to read? So many unusual words. Strange stories, fanciful images, in a difficult order to understand. Am I the only one who feels this way, fellas? Don't you think this is kind of a barrier to keep people like me from really reading it? I looked around the table after he asked that question. Everybody around that table, even people who had been in lots of Bible studies before, were nodding their heads. They all knew what he was saying. The leader of the group thanked him for his words. In fact, he told him that he agreed with him. But he encouraged him not to quit. Hang in there. That they would be there to figure it out together. One week at a time. One story at a time. One, one scripture passage at a time. That was several years ago. I just reconnected with my friend... I found out that he was still in that Bible study. He's never missed a Friday morning with those men at 6.30 in the morning. Learning about the Bible like he had never before. And he says to me that slowly but surely, his life is becoming more and more rooted in the Bible. So friends, I want to end where we have begun with a reminder that being biblically rooted is not optional in this church. It is a core value. It is as central to us as being Christ-centered. Because as we go through these six core values, we will always understand that the foundation of this congregation is what is to unite us in our essentials that we are Christ-centered and we are biblically rooted. And only when we share those two things in common can we dare to experience the freedom of the non-essentials. Only when we are Christ-centered and biblically rooted can we be warm-hearted, which means open to a diversity of people, and open-minded, which means open to a diversity of ideas. 
Only in being Christ-centered and biblically rooted can we understand the love of God so that in all things there might be charity in how we are mission-directed and connection-committed with the whole world. And so, brothers and sisters, fellow people of the book, may you discover the richness and depth of the Bible for yourself. May you become centered in Christ, who is the Word made flesh, so that you are rooted in the Bible, the words of the Scripture. Let us pray together. So, O God, we give you thanks for your Word, for the sacred texts that constitute our Bible that point us to a deeper and richer and fuller life and a deeper connection with your Son, Jesus, who is, after all, the Word, your greatest revelation to us. For any of us right now who need to have a deeper experience with the Bible, I pray for your encouragement upon them, that they might find ways to read it more regularly and more diligently that they may come to understand its truths and discover its power for their lives, and that they might unite with others in holy sisterhood and brotherhood in small groups so that just like my friend, they can figure it out together. We thank you for the Scriptures, for the fertile soil it contains, and for the invitation for us to dig our roots deeply into them. For all these things, we are truly grateful. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.